the famous director John Huston hated fishing. He had no choice, however. He was trapped in a relatively unpopulated island in the Florida Keys with a script that he did not like and a short deadline. It was the off-season as well, and the notorious gambler was bored out of his mind. He was a one-time director at this point, known for his acclaimed film noir, The Maltese Falcon. In the following six years after The Maltese Falcon, as America plunged into the Second World War, Houston traveled with the American military, making films and recording his experiences. Two of the three major films produced during his time with the Army were highly controversial, critiquing America's mission failures and their failure to care for the mental health of veterans after the war. He never cared much for what he was supposed to do. He had animated eyebrows and a wry smile that stretched across his tanned, long face. He was a notorious drunk who famously avoided disease during mosquito-infested film shoots by having too much alcohol in his bloodstream. But in 1947, he'd only created one major market film and his producers at Warner Brothers had just bought a script they thought would suit the man perfectly. It was called Key Largo, and it was written by a playwright named Maxwell Anderson. Houston had been tasked to turn it into a film and had decided to work on the script with his co-writer, Richard Brooks. There was only one real problem. John Houston hated the play. Seeking a way into the story and maybe a good adventure, John Houston and his writing partner, as well as their wives, hopped on down to Florida to where else? My name is Frank McLeod. I'm about 12 miles off Boot Key Harbor on my way in. Over. Hold your course. You're headed straight for Key Largo. Key Largo. My name is Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, the 1948 classic Key Largo, its charismatic director, and the island that Hollywood built. The film itself takes place on Key Largo at an old Florida inn called the Largo Hotel, Humphrey Bogart plays Major Frank McLeod, a World War II veteran seeking to pick up a job on a fishing boat down in the Florida Keys. Lauren Bacall plays Nora Temple, the widow of an army buddy of Bogart who died in combat. In real life, Bacall and Bogart were married for years. Lionel Barrymore plays Nora's father-in-law, the owner of the hotel. Barrymore was bound to a wheelchair for much of his later life, and in a rare move during this era, most of his parts were rewritten to accommodate his ability. The three were icons of American film already, and making a picture with John Huston was a match made in heaven. Except that, like I said, Huston hated this script. The original version of it was unusual, written in blank verse, which had not been popular since the 16th century. It's written in a rhythm, but the lines don't rhyme, and it has a flow within a dialogue that is choppy at best. Houston not only hated the script, but he hated the playwright as well, and decided to take the core elements, strip them out of the rest, and make it his own. The original story was more dramatic, certainly more theatrical, dealing in catharsis and the merits of war. The film, however, is more noir, more action, and more tense all around. It follows Bogart, Bacall, and Barrymore as they wait out a hurricane in the Largo Hotel while being held hostage by a crew of gangsters. The lead gangster is named Johnny Rocco and is played by the brilliant Edward G. Robinson, who made a career playing charismatic and evil men. 
At first glance, the film's synopsis could read like any other drama at the time. Gangsters, a war veteran, the tension of being stranded, but the setting of Florida pervades every moment. There's only one way in and one way out of the Florida Keys by car. The hurricane is not just a story convention to keep them in place, it's the raging wind that makes the gangsters afraid they have no place in this world. The hurricane is the wrath of God. As the wall of the storm passes over the hotel and the palm trees are mere moments from crashing through the walls, Barrymore's character warns about how dangerous hurricanes can be by telling them all about the real-life hurricane of 1935. How far away was that from here? Mm, a few miles. Houston's scripts drew a lot from real Florida life. The original play referenced the Seminole tribe that lived in the area, and the film does as well, featuring a group of two dozen or so Seminoles that arrive at the hotel to seek shelter from the storm. I was genuinely shocked that all of them were actually clothed in garments that were traditional for the Seminoles to wear in this time. I was also shocked that, at a time where Native Americans in film were often treated like the villains or the other, the Seminoles were treated like people. The villainous gangster is made to appear even more cruel when he leaves the Seminoles outside, stranded in a hurricane left to the elements. I was not surprised, however, to discover that the three featured Seminole characters were not at all Seminoles. One was Chickasaw, one was Mohawk, and the third was Puerto Rican. The decoration of the building itself was clearly inspired by Houston's visit to the Keys. There is a marlin hanging over a doorway and storm shutters all over and thin palms and wide pots in every corner. Every single character is sweating profusely, and a few slow-moving fans drearily attempt to abate the heat, to no avail. At one point, the lead gangster remarks that it's always hot, even at night, even after the rain. The space itself feels sticky, like it would be perfect on a breezy summer day, but hell on a muggy summer afternoon. We don't actually know the name of the hotel that inspired Houston and Brooks, as their accounts don't mention one by name. Brooks, however, mentions a man named Tom Hanley in the hotel he owned, called the Caribbean Club. As far as we know, they stayed there. It's extremely common for companies and cities to market on their pop culture connections, and Key Largo is no exception. On the year that the film came out, a massive billboard was put up right near the Caribbean Club. It reads, quote, This is it the birthplace of the Warner Brothers' great movie, Key Largo." End quote. The lower half of the board is an ad for the hotel itself. The billboard was along the road facing both ways, telling travelers about the historic location. Whether Houston visited or not has absolutely no bearing on what really matters. People say he did. Before the movie, Key Largo was just a stop on the road between Miami and Key West. The little town, however, blossomed in the years following the film, with hotels and restaurants and gas stations and civilization. I bought a coffee in Key Largo a few months ago. 
All of that is thanks to Bogey, Bacall, Barrymore, and Houston, who didn't even film the movie in Florida. Other than some exterior and nature shots, over 90% of the movie was filmed on a soundstage in California. But when all is said and done, when a Humphrey Bogart film festival was setting up a few years ago, where else would it be? Here's Stephen Bogart, the son of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. My sister and I had been thinking about something like this for a number of years. Now was the right time, and, and Key Largo was jumped right in. Uh, they threw everything they had at it. They were behind it 100%. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm just so happy to be here in Key Largo, um, and I'm so happy that all you guys are here, and you're so enthusiastic and so nice, and uh, I know that you're going to enjoy the movie. From 2013 to 2017, the island of Key Largo was home of the Humphrey Bogart Film Festival, which hosted some of Bogie's most famous films, memorabilia, and stars. The grandson of John Huston even attended one year to accept an honor on his family's behalf. The festival has been on hiatus for a few years because the island was just not big enough for the amount of people flocking to the festival. People really want to celebrate the man, his film, and its history. Who cares if it wasn't shot in Florida? Who cares where Houston got drunk and fished when he was bored with writing his script? Something in the movie captures our love of Florida. Maybe it's the decor, or maybe it's the culture, or maybe it's the power of hurricanes we all know in our bones. When Barrymore is telling the devastation of the hurricanes, Johnny Rocco says, nobody would live here after that. Maybe it's his naivete about Floridians that leads to his demise. Because he's wrong. Floridians just keep showing up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, please feel free to leave a review below. I would very much appreciate it. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod, and you can send me an email at WFMPod at gmail.com. All of the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. Be sure to tune in on September 9th for the premiere of Season 2. Until then, I will have our final little story of August next Monday. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Take care of yourself.